Hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome to another episode of CookieCast. Today on CookieCast it's the football podcast. Football is well and truly underway. Most of it is. I mean by the end of this week it'll all be underway. So we're back to talk about football. We've got previews of the upcoming games, reviews of last week's games, talking all kinds of football stuff. Stay tuned if you want to hear me apologise. Just, you know, putting that one out there. Yeah, there's that. Before we get started, please do consider like, share, subscribe and comment. Drop any reviews you might want to drop and get this podcast shared around. It's good stuff. Right, let's get cracking. So here we go. This is CookieCast, the football podcast. Recording in progress. Well, well, well. Another week. Another raft of football games to discuss, no less. Welcome along, ladies and gentlemen. It's uh, it's your football people back for your football-based nonsense. We'll take you through all the ups and downs, ins and outs of Nottingham Forest, Middlesbrough and Hull. Not necessarily in that order. But we'll give you all the ins and outs and uh, well, we'll try and go in-depth as much as we can. So, week one of the season is done and dusted. In the Championship, week one still to come in the Premier League, which, which, which we will get to later on in the podcast. However, there is some transfer news that we need to wrap up, which may affect people's predictions from a from a Forest and Borough perspective. Sadly no so no transfer news for Hull at this point. Obviously transfer news will only be covered for the next roughly four weeks until the closure of the transfer window at the end of August. But uh, today um, or this week sorry uh, Nottingham Forest have completed the signing of midfielder Oral Mangala who signed for an undisclosed fee from VFB Stuttgart who becomes the club's twelfth signing of the window. Uh, one in, one out, though, as they have allowed Zande Silva to join French club Dijon for, again, an undisclosed fee. Uh, looking at Mr Silva's stats for when he was at Forest, apparently he only, uh, only contributed in 10 games total. Um, wasn't wasn't one for the purists. Like I said, uh, offline, I don't think he'll go down in the, uh, the annals of Forest folklore. Didn't score a goal against Derby or anything like that, did he, Matt? No, no. Oh, God. I mean, he's very... Yeah, not memorable. No, yeah, forget, forgettable. Would be Instantly the... forgettable. But yes, yeah. Mr Silva has, has left the uh, the banks of the Trent and uh, he's taken his, taken his talents to France. Uh, moving on to Middlesbrough-based news. This was discussed, discussed briefly on the podcast last week. Uh, but they did end up completing the signing of striker Marcus Fors uh, for a rumoured fee of around £3 million from Brentford. He went straight into the squad for the game against West Bromwich Albion uh, this past Saturday and did manage to come off the bench for a little bit of time on the pitch. So we'll see how he pans out playing for the second of the three teams covered on the podcast. Obviously, he'll just need to get his uh, his big money move to Forest either in 
January or in the summer transfer window to complete the set. Um, but where there's a one in, there has to be a one out. And sadly, Borough's most creative force for the coming season has been tempted away by the lure of Premiership money and Premiership games. Marcus Tavernier sadly has left to join Bournemouth for again an undisclosed fee, but I believe the rumour was that it, was, it could be anything up to £13 million with add-ons to come. So good money for a prospect that's come through the academy. Pure profit from that sort of regard. Um, disappointing to see him go, because I, I think they had tried to convince him that if they could get at least one more season out of him, they might basically get to the Premier League together. Um, he He's definitely a creative force that will need replacing um, and does leave Borough a little bit short in that area of the pitch. But can't really argue with the money they've got for him, I suppose, uh, and should allow Chris Wilder to reinforce the team in other areas. So, disappointing from a Borough perspective, but... You're disappointed? Who am I going to pick to score? Well, we're about to find that out, aren't we, Andrew? Some say you shouldn't have been picking him in the first place, but, you know, that's just... Oh! I mean, who are you going to trust? I mean, the the person who's seen him play two times last season, or the the person who saw him play two two times last season. Um, But, uh, yeah, what? No, Stu was about to say something. Yeah, we'll carry on. Um, Anyway, so, from the transfer predictions and roundups, we'll go into... Last week's games. So as, as we stated before, there was only two games as it was the beginning of the championship season. Uh, so we'll open up with the Hull City game against Bristol City. Uh, the game finished 2-1. Goal scorers were Tufan and Seri for Hull City, with Andreas Weiman getting the goal for Bristol City. Do you want to give us a, a brief rundown of what you uh, what you thought of the game, Stu? So, um, I should say that Hull were one down at half-time. Uh, Vyman scored in, in uh, the 30th minute. Did kind of wonder what might happen from there, and I was fearing the worst. But, much to my uh, surprise and, and certainly delight, um they did actually put in a bit of a battling performance from that I've seen. Um, I have seen the penalty decision. It looked a little bit like a striker that's short on confidence to me that got tackled. in uh, the, the tackle went in on Tete. Um, yeah, everywhere. Uh, but they... It was almost like it took him three or four seconds to decide if he was actually going to fall down or if he was going to have a shot. There was contact, and off, off there was contact, Paul. I've seen it back. I've seen, I, I purposely watched it back three or four times just before we started this recording, just so I could check it out again. There definitely was contact. All I'll say... It was soft. All I'll say is if the rules were reversed and Bristol City were given that penalty, do you think you'd be sat here not absolutely raging? I mean... That, that, like I say, there was contact, so it is one of them ones where you've seen them given, and last weekend was proof of that. Uh, but two fans stepped up for the penalty and absolutely rattled it. That was a hell of a penalty. So decent strike. 
Um, as we talked about the Leicester pre-season game, and I wasn't that impressed with uh, Jean-Michel Serri at the time, apparently quite a lot of the play went through him at the weekend, so seemingly they've got that sorted out, and Paul fell to him in the uh, third minute of stoppage time, to which he duly tried to rattle it into the bottom left-hand corner, and it hit the knee of a <laughs> hit the knee of a Bristol defender and looped straight into the top right-hand side of the net. Um, again, from what I've from what I've seen, from what I've heard from from friends that were at the game and stuff, and from the reports that I've read, wasn't necessarily an undeserved goal either. So the fact that they've managed to, to scrape through that first game, probably not that much team chemistry still there yet, still building that up. But they've come out with a win, and I will absolutely take that. And if anybody wants to stop the championship season right now, we are currently second. Yes, please. Mm, Millwall in the Millwall in the Premier League. I'd, I'd rather not. If that's all right. <laughs> yeah, I thought you might say that. But yes, uh, from the highlights that I saw, I, I, I'd certainly agree with pretty much everything you've said there. The penalty, they, they uh, in the coverage, they actually covered that Nigel Pearson did. Um, to his, pre- his, his post-match press conference, and obviously he is an ex-hull, he's an ex-hull manager, so obviously knows his way around the press area. There, so I, I think he was saying some of the lines of that he uh, he didn't want to didn't want to say something that was going to cause him to get either a fine or a ban this early in the season, and then proceeded about three seconds later to say it's one of the worst decisions he's ever seen given and stuff like that, but. The penalty was very, very soft. Um, like you say, there is clear contact on the guy, but the fact that he doesn't go down instantly is always... He's not going to make many many friends by doing it again, let's put it that way. I think, um, if, like you mentioned, if I was a Bristol fan, would I feel the same? I think, even as a Hull fan, the disappointment is... Not like I said, definitely contact. Yet yeah, he, he decided to go down. It was clear to everybody. As with football, just generally these days, we did then not need the him holding onto his ankle, giving it like you know, t- hundred decibel screaming <laughs> shot. There was no need for that. Like it, it was that bit was embarrassing. Yeah, it wasn't the best. So, oh, two one win for Hull to start the season. So very nice. They've got those three points in the bag. From a predictions standpoint, unfortunately, Mr. Moore was the only person who did not go with a home win. Uh, Matt are going for a 1-1 draw with Tete and Bell to score the goals. So sadly, that is zero points for Mr. Moore. Mr. Cook had a 1-0 whole win with Longman to score the goal. So one point for Mr. Cook with the home win. Mr. Woodmansey, with his own team, has gone for a 2-0 win with Syed Manesh and Estupinian to score the goals. So, no goal scorers, but the uh, but a 2-0 win, so he had a correct result, not a correct score, so gets himself one point. I, on the other hand, predicted a 2-1 hull win. Two delicious, tasty points right there. I also had Syed Manesh and Estupinian to score for Hull. But I did pick Andreas Weiman to score for Bristol City. So starting off the week, ho, 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 with three points from that game. We then moved to the final game of the week, which was the live 5.30 kickoff in the Championship of Middlesbrough v 
versus West Bromwich Albion. Um, Middlesbrough started this game very, 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 very strongly. They uh, took the game to West Brom and were on the front foot right from the off. Managed to get the opening goal after about 10 minutes with uh, Isaiah Jones sweeping home at the back stick after some lovely build-up play down the left-hand side by Ryan Giles and the surprise start from Tuba Akpom, who'd been welcomed back into the fold after being told in pre-season he was free to find another club. Uh, surprise start, but obviously gets the assist and uh, put himself about a bit. Looked, looked like he was a bit of a handful at times, so I, I imagine he'll be welcomed back into the squad for the remainder of the season, unless obviously a, a bid comes in for him in the next couple of weeks and he might be moved on. One of those games where half-time almost comes at the wrong time for the home team. As when they came out for the second half, there was only one team in it, and sadly it was not the Borough. Uh, West Brom basically did to Middlesbrough what they had done to them in the first half and just pushed right from the front, uh, from the first whistle. Got themselves a deserved equaliser in the second half with a goal but on debut by uh, John Swift. Um, again, just a, a lovely sort of flowing passing move from the back. Uh, the ball made its way out to uh, Jed Wallace on the right-hand side, who cut the ball back in. with sort of lovely vision, really. He just saw that John Swift was coming to the edge of the box, pulled the ball back, uh, and Swift stuck the ball away. Uh, Zach Stefan had no chance with the uh, with with the goal. Um, yeah, uh, probably should have scored again later in the game. Had a couple of chances to uh, to put the game to bed, but neither neither team was able to. Uh, to get on the score sheet again, so the game petered out to be a one-one draw. Um, Mr. Cook, positive thinking, had a one-nil home win with Duncan Watmore to score the goal. This did not happen. Mr. Moore went for a West Bromwich Albion away win, one-two. Matt Crooks to get the goal for Middlesbrough. Jed Wallace and. John Swift to score for West Bromwich Albion, which gives which gives Matt his first point of the week. Both myself and Mr. Woodmancy went for a one-one draw. Two more delicious, tasty points right there. Sadly, neither of us got the goal scorers. I went for Riley McGree and Carlin Grant, and Stu went for Matt Crooks and Daryl DK. So only the correct result there. No goal scorers. So, for the week in total, both Matt and Andy got themselves one point. Mr. Woodmansey, three points, but taking an early victory, if we're classing it as that, in the predictions. Mr. Paul Williams ends the week with a delicious five points after two correct scores. Lovely stuff. So... Before you move on... Oh yes, uh, it's been it, it has been brought to my attention that I was uh, overly harsh to our uh, Leeds brethren. Uh, at this point in time, I will point out uh, my opinions are not supported by CookieCast as a network. Um, so I am officially apologising to to the Leeds brethren uh, about anything I may or may not. Well, I did say. On last week's podcast, uh, I am sorry, and uh, I will, in future, watch uh, watch what I say uh, about uh, my 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 opinions. I mean, that 
there's clearly a backstory there. I, I mean, that might have to be podcast after dark material, and uh, you know, discussed in the comment section of uh, of any particular uh, video upload feeds, or uh, tune into a particular other podcast where I discuss at length about what happened. Interesting. Now, there's a spoiler. Well, there's a little uh, hint for anyone. I'm, to trying, I'm trying to do some major cross pollination. Clearly. Stuff. So we move on to week two, or week one, if you're a Premier League fan, as the next team we're going to discuss, one of us may happen to be. So week two. I'm not a Premier League fan. That makes me seem like I'm a fan of the league, as opposed to I am a fan of a team that are now in the Premier League. All right, then. Oh, Premier League, woohoo! We get a lion, and you know, I'm just going to think everything. The football didn't start till like well, yeah, there is, ago, there is that. All that kind of thing. Again, as previously discussed on the podcast, football has only been a thing for 30 years, so it's, like it's probably understandable. So, first have existed for like seven, and then uh, <laughs> and disappeared for 23 years, and didn't exist, and they just fade into the ether. And, oh, they come back to life. Where they come from? It's like some kind of modern day Jesus football situation. Very much the uh, big spending crawly of the uh, of the non-league circuit, or the outer Premier League circuit, shall we say. So, yes, it's week two from a predictions perspective, but it's week one from a Premier League team perspective. So, we'll go to the, uh, even though he supports Nottingham Forest, the, the place where this game will be taking place may be quite native to Mr Moore. We have Newcastle United going up against Nottingham Forest for their first Premier League game since 1999. Stu, what are you going to go for as your prediction on this one? Well, I haven't gone for a Forest loss, but I have sat firmly on the fence and gone for a one-all draw. Okay. I have have this feeling that Forest are going to go 1-0 up relatively early. And it's all fairy tale, and then Newcastle are just that team, aren't they? They're just ugh. Um, and what makes it even worse is I've got I've got Callum Wilson to score the goal. I can't stand that guy. <laughs> so yeah, Wilson for Newcastle, and we might as well st- stick a little uh, notch on the on the post of uh, the record signing for Forest and. Get him off to a debut opening goal for is it a a one e a one i one e? I'll just refer back to the book. Um, I believe it is pronounced a one e a one e. Him then, <laughs> tall fella up front. I'll do. Now, what Mister Woodbency's done there is he's basically read my mind having not known what I've already pre-written in this book, and he's got it 75% spot on, or 66% spot on, as I too have gone for a 1-1 draw with Callum Wilson to score for Newcastle, and the difference being Brennan Johnson to get off the mark early doors in his Premier League debut. Mr Cook, what are your thoughts on this one? Probably a 4-0 for his win or something like that. Close, actually. I must say it was it was a very strange um, time for me updating the book with just just my prediction. I was like, oh, I've got all this space. What's all this? Sp- oh, that's right. 
However, you were very close. Uh, Newcastle, Bagel. Forest, two delicious goals. Who will be who will be scoring those delicious goals? I think we all know who's scoring the first one, don't we? Uh, Johnson. And I've gone a little bit out of the box here because I was I was like, shall I go super classic and go Joe Lolly? But no, I went with Mighton. Interesting. Don't think he'll even make the match day squad, but you never know, he might do. Mixing it up. He's close, closer than Joe Lolly. Now, is Jolly technically still there? Yes. He's, he's listed on the website. He is. Well, he's, been he, to- he's, he's been told he can find a new club, hasn't he? He is at the club. He is treated. I, 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 there's, there's elements of it that I agree with, elements that I don't agree with. I agree with that maybe he needs to leave the club. The, it, the last two seasons have been bad. What I don't like is is the go and train with the under twenty threes because I don't think he's a disruptive figure in the in the squad or in the team. Um, and but he's been basically told to go and train with the under twenty threes, which I'm like, I, I don't I don't agree with that element of it um, because he's not he's not a a rogue element like Harry Arter, who is still at Forest, if anybody was wondering. Um, but yeah, he's still there. Um, Taking in that wage, apparently. So, uh, do, you reckon, yeah. do you reckon there's a way that they could just like sort of make it look like he's a really good player and like convince Bournemouth that it's like well within their interest, like sort of like drop like 15 million on him or something like that? You know what they need to do? They need to get the guy who made the video of Marcus Force who give it to Middlesbrough and get that put out there because that, that worked wonders for him. Listen. All, that, all that's been said about Fawes is that he was playing in the wrong type of system at Hull last season and he struggled. He's playing in a system that suits him at Borough. So when he gets the 50 goals, you'll be looking foolish. Oh, I mean, he, he, he looked like something else when he came on off the bat. Oh no, he looked like he should have been playing something else. Sorry, that's what I meant. I can't wait, cannot wait for the first game where he scores that trick and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, against all and stuff like that. Oh, oh, I'm, do you know what, right? Spoiler alert, I'm definitely picking him to score when they play each other. <laughs> uh, right then, Mr Moore, it's your boys. Give us a, give us the lowdown how you think it's going to go. How many are Newcastle going to score in the first 15 minutes? I'm, I'm, I'm nervous about this game, but I've gone for a hopeful... I've gone for a hopeful one-all draw. Oh, um, a third, a third one-all draw. Um, um, I mean, to I don't know if it's two delusional football clubs or two over-optimistic football clubs. I think if if someone said optimism league in going into the Premiership this season, Newcastle would be very high up, and I think the Forest would also be like this. Oh, yeah, we bought all these players and. They seem to be decent, kind of thing. Very high up on the optimism stake. So, the Optimism Cup final is at St James's Park this weekend because they're very optimistic. Um, but yeah, I've got one all draw. I just kind of like towards the end of the season, Newcastle seem to get their swagger behind them, and they've made some decent additions to the team. What I'd say is they haven't added a striker, and I think they need a striker that is better than Callum Wilson to do better than what they did last year. I just worry that 
are Forrest going to be up to speed um, straight away? Um, so I've got I've got Johnson scoring the Forest goal, and I've got Saint Maximan or Maximam or whatever is it Alan to score for Newcastle because I kind of get the feeling that he's probably trying to get uh, I think they went trade um, a, a transfer out of Newcastle as soon as possible, and if he can start the season, if he can have a good two or three weeks in August, he might be able to swing it towards the end. So. <laughs> Yeah, I've gone for it. One all draw. I'm, I'm hopeful more than expectant would be. Yeah, yeah. I think it's. I think it's got. It's got all the hallmarks of that. Like, you know, perfect sort of early season promoted team on a bit of a high road and a crest of a wave and stuff like that. And, um, I, I actually, I actually think the opposite to Stuart. I think that. I think that not uh, that Newcastle probably score first. And if anything, Forrest might like bundle like a ninety third minute equaliser or something like that to keep the good feeling going or something like that. Yeah, and it'll be. I don't know. It's whether yeah, it's whether they get if they get caught early, then it could be a big score, which is the worry. Um, I think if they hold out and perhaps take the you know, lose one, then you know, fine, fair enough. Uh, but there could be. But I think there's every chance they could just sneak one towards the end. Kind of thing as that kind of as Newcastle get a little bit complacent. Oh, fingers crossed along that lines anyway. Mm. So that's the Premier League section of the podcast done for this week. We'll have to slum it in the Championship and the League Cup for the rest of it, lads. Soz. We move from the northeast to the northwest, where Preston North End take on Hull City. Mr. Cook, how do you see this one going? So, sticking with previous form, absolutely got Hull down to win. But only just. It's just a 1-0 for me. And uh, as I need him to uh, get me some points at the end of the season, I'm going with Long Man. I get the feeling you're going to ride that particular horse until it breaks, yeah? It's one of those, as as it as we'll see as things unfold. Uh, you'd think that, but I've I've tried to tried to play it play it safe in a lot of ways. Uh, but you know those first couple of games, just you know just feel it out, see how it goes. Okay. It's fair enough. This is of course a repeat of the opening game of the season last season. So Hull open up with back-to-back first away games of the season at Preston. I still, I, I believe there'll be a repeat of four goals in this game. However, I believe they will be shared between the two sides. I've gone for a 2-2 draw. I've gone for Emil Reese to get a double for Preston. I've gone with everyone's favourite, touch him on the knee, and see how many seconds it takes him to hit the deck. Mr. Tete to score for Hull. And Syed Manesh to get a second. Mr. Moore, your thoughts? I have been... Um, I've been... I got... I got... Oh, I can't remember. I went with the draw, didn't I? For Hull, didn't I? I have moved onwards and I've gone for a win for Hull. I've taken that uh, 
positive result and I've taken it, I'm going to run with it. Because um, I, I haven't got a clue what Preston's deal is. Every season I'm like, what the hell's going on with that club? Uh, so I've gone with Reist score for Preston North End. Uh-huh. And I've gone for Tufan and Tete to score. Tete! Okay, so Matt's down for a 1-2. Uh, obviously, Preston won't be getting any goals scored by Chad Evans this week as uh, he decided that the best thing for him to do with his opening weekend was basically try and do some sort of open heart surgery on the Wigan player that he slid into studs first and was surprised when the red card was produced. I, I just to add to that, eight minutes after he came onto the field. I thought Stu was, was, was about to throw out. Already in the on the 80th. And that's not the most egregious red card this weekend either. <laughs> I thought Stu was about to throw out, allegedly... <laughs> but no, to, uh, to 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 just sort of put a ball on what Matt was saying there. Take a bow, Mr. Lee Tomlin, who uh, picked up two yellow cards, I believe, within the space of ten seconds. I, I thought you were going to save this till the end because it's an absolute perler. It's just absolute nonsense, right? It's your team, Mr. Uh, Mr. Woodman. See, give us uh, give us the lowdown how it's going to happen. So, I have also gone for the value of four goals, but I am going for the repeat result from last season's opening away game. So, I am going for Preston 1, Hull 3. Yes! Love it. I think the way that, that, the, way that the winning goal went in last weekend will actually do them a massive favour in terms of team morale. I think they've had an for want of a better expression, had another week to get their shit together. Um, and, yeah, we'll see how we go. And and some people will see this purely as maybe a points grab, but I have gone for three separate goal scorers for Hull, just in case. And uh, <laughs> you've all missed the fact that Robbie Brady now plays for Preston, so there's my Preston goal scorer. I mean, does he actually play for him, though? He played last weekend. Yeah, but that means he's probably picked up some sort of injury. Well, I was I was going to say provided the assist for the goal that they didn't score, but um, you know, as soon as they they haven't scored this uh, this season as yet, Preston, so they're, they're clearly going to score against Hull to get off that, that particular mark. But the three goals for Hull, um, I have gone for another goal for Tufan, uh-huh. a Stupinion to get off the mark, and just for the small amount of space that Paul has in his book. Syed Manesh. Lovely stuff. If nothing else, by the end of this season, Paul will have learnt shorthand thanks to all of the Hull signings. <laughs> so, that concludes our league fixtures for the week. We do, I, I tell a lie, we haven't even done the Borough fixture yet. What, what sort of support am I? I feel, though, that with that error, I need to take a break compose myself and come back refreshed for the remainder of the predictions so sit tight ladies and gentlemen for you it'll be as if it never happened but for us we are going to take a small break I was trying to think of a a phrase to use I was going to say advert break but again unless you want I don't know buy galaxy chocolate there you go there's your advert break but join us again 
few moments' time. Recording in progress. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. As we said, it's not even, you, you barely noticed it. The Brit, the Brit might as well have not happened for you. So we continue with our week two predictions. We move from the northwest to the south of the country. We move to London, where Queen's Park Rangers take on Middlesbrough FC in Middlesbrough's first away game of the season. Um, don't think we've been to you, Matt, yet as the first prediction. So, what have you got for this one? I've also gone for a two-one Borough win. Ooh, faith in your got, lad. Who have you got with the goal for QPR? Lyndon Dykes. Dykes, and for the Borough. I mean, they disappointed last year, but I've got you know maybe it's just faith in them this year. Fours and Akpom. The, the the full the full contingent of former Hull Loney strikers. What was Dykes at Hull? No, that Tom has been though. Well, I think we covered it on the podcast when he signed. He's the uh, he was completing the trios. I believe he'd had loan spells at Forest and Hull. Now uh, he's joined Borough on a on a permanent basis. Um, I think Akpom has got previous. I think he has scored at QPR before when he played there. So you never know. Wouldn't be surprised if he uh, if he managed to get one, Mister Cook. QPR nil. Middlesbrough two. I like what he's. Uh, I'm picking up what he's putting down. What, what about your goal scorers? Um, in keeping it in form, I've gone with Watmore, and uh, I've gone with Crooks for the other goal. Very. Very nice. Although we didn't we didn't discuss it in the uh, in the roundup of the West Brom game, but uh, Duncan Watmore did miss what can only be described as an absolute sitter, uh, which was uh, blazed right across the uh, the the goal line, and he couldn't touch it in from about four yards out. So not a great start to the team for Duncan, uh, Mister Woodmansey. Unfortunately, it's my job to. Uh bring this entire room crashing to a screeching halt when I have gone for a QPR 1-0 win. Goal scorer? When I saw the squad list, I really wanted to pick Kenneth Pyle, but I've gone for chair. Do you know what? I almost just wrote it in without even asking you, because I just had something in me that just felt, he's going chair here. Yeah. Another one that I think has scored against the Borough, maybe even last season, it might have been the season before, but yeah, has got previous for scoring against the Borough. Wouldn't be surprised to see him on the score sheet. However, I have gone optimistically in the same vein as Mr Cook with a 2-0 Middlesbrough win. Um, and I've borrowed a scorer from both Matt and himself. I've gone for forced to open the scoring and Matt Crooks to get the second. We move on. Two, the first of two first round League Cup games where in West Yorkshire Bradford City will take on Hull City Mr Cook what have you got there um, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay optimistic until I'm proven wrong I think this season so Bradford nil Hull 1 
as this is a cup game, might we see some changes in the whole side, and therefore a different particular, a potentially different goal scorer? But who have you gone for as your goal scorer? I have gone with Syed Mahesh. Syed Mahesh. I'll dive in straight away here. I have got the exact same result, 1-0 Hull, but I have gone for Tufan to score the goal. Mr Moore. I've gone with the, it's the League Cup, things get a bit weird, it's early in the season. I've gone for a two-all draw. So technically that would take it to extra time and penners, maybe. Yeah. Well, I assume that we went like 90 minutes. and. Yeah, we'll just go for the 90 minutes. Just I mean, if, you if you were pushed. I think, doesn't it go straight to penalties? It doesn't even do extra time, does it? That could very well be the case. Yes, you may be right on that. I'll have to check it, but I believe you could be right there. If you were pushed... Uh, if, if, if that's the case, I'll go hold on penalties. I'll just put a little P next to the right side of the two. Are you goal scorers? I've got Walker and Oliver for Bradford. Not a clue. Um, and then I've got Figueredo, or Figs, as I've got him in my... Yeah. And Robson. I assume that maybe some players would play to kind of get them used to each other, and some of them might get a bit of a run out to get them in the gate in the team. Can't say I know Robson is. Me either. I just saw he was on the bench this weekend and thought, yeah, maybe he'll play. I have to get Mr. Uh, Mr. Woodmansy to fill us in on that one. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> it's always what you're looking for. You're looking for your supporters to be like, yeah. Give us the lowdown. What's it going to? What's it going to finish? I have gone. Whilst I fully agree with what Matt said in the sense of anything could happen, um, I think that under the new owners, they'll be looking to continue this feel-good thing. I have to be that guy where I can't. I can't see it being in the final league position as we discussed last season. So why not? Have a little go at one of the cups. Um, again, to build the chemistry of the squad, there's a good chance that he might play a fairly strongish side. Um, and to, much to my surprise, he actually played um, Smith up front for a good portion of time as well. So I've I've gone for Smith to score and Tete. Nil two. Yeah, I was tempted with the. Uh, Dropping the old uh, pair of comment on this one, but I'll, I'll 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 split my options and go for a Smith and Tetu. I was going to say I don't, I don't get I don't really get the pair of Smiths. Yeah, no, me neither. It's a new one on me, but you know, but by the end of the season we might have a we might have created a new phrase. <laughs> Very yeah, interesting pair of Smiths. Uh, we move on to our final game of the week, which again is a EFL Cup game, and I repeat, I believe, of last season's second round, or possibly the first round, whereas Middlesbrough versus Barnsley. Um, off the top of my head, I know that Middlesbrough lost this one, but couldn't tell you the score, even if you offered me £500. So... Mr. Woodmansey, your score prediction for Middlesbrough versus Barnsley. 
uh, the exact same result for one of our teams as last time out's um, prediction. So 2 0 to the Borough. And your goal scorers? Hoops. Akpom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Corbin. Corbin. Doesn't Coburn just sound like he'd fit in lovely in Hull? <coughs> Coburn. 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 Uh, Mr. Moore. I've gone for a 2-1 Middlesbrough win. And your goal scorers, please. I've also got Coburn. Coburn. And Roberts. Um, sorry to... Wind it back. You might want to re-pick your goal scorer, Matt, because uh, Robson is our third-choice keeper. Ah! I think you've picked a goalkeeper for Borough as well. Am I? What? I think so. I'm trying to think off the top of my head who Roberts is. To, uh, to you know, no. to, to, to oh, quote old-school family fortunes, if it's there, we'll give you the money ourselves. Why can keepers not just have normal numbers like 1, 13? <laughs> and I've done with that. <laughs> yes, if it's Liam at Roberts you're talking about, that is most certainly a goalkeeper. Oh, God, I've had a nightmare. Um, Boyd Munt. Oh, lovely. I like it. That's, uh, that's, that's <laughs> strange enough, one of Amy's new favourites. Loves that name. And then Norwood for Barnsley. And while I scramble to get a whole one. Sorry, just say that again. The Norwood. Norwood. Yeah. Uh, there's me trying to be clever. I just made myself look alright. Uh, He's made himself look like a bit of a Benjamin. Cannon. Why not? Cannon? Yeah. Not, he's not your fourth choice keeper, is he? <laughs> yeah. Paul Wendt. Absolutely not. Absolutely not a goalkeeper. He right, is keeper a heavy on the bench keeper. this weekend, just in case. Mr. Cook. Middlesbrough one. Barnsley nil. Goal scorer. McGree. McGree. Lovely. A four for a second. We were going to get a lovely clean sweep of every single person picking Joshy Coburn to get a goal, as I've gone for a 3 0 Borough win with Coburn, Akpom, and McGree to get the goals. And that, ladies and gentlemen, concludes your week's predictions. As I have nothing further to add at this point, Unless any of you fellas have anything to bring to the table, I believe that concludes this week's business. Mr. Woodmanty, has one one minor point in. Obviously, they've left it late to do so, but just after we'd recorded the podcast uh, last week, uh, Hull decided to finally name their club captain for the season. Uh, now, given the full-on wave of new signings, it could have been pick a name out of a hat if you'd have really wanted to um, it, it could have been the big the big names that have come in but I'm actually quite chuffed for the lad in the sense of 
they've picked the local boy. So Louis Coyle is now the Hull City Club captain uh, from quite a famous sporting family from around the local area as well. Uh, his brother's a hell of a golfer and most people will probably know his other brother Tommy for his uh, antics inside the boxing ring. Um, so yeah, really quite quite a good choice I think and had a, he's had a really good pre-season, started the game, played, played pretty well against... Uh, Bristol at the weekend as well, so he's obviously take, taking it on. But yeah, happy happy with the choice. So we, we finally have our club captain in situ. Very nice. You just mentioning um, Hull there reminded me that there is potentially some inter-club transfer news potentially on the horizon, as apparently there was rumours doing the round that Hull have rejected a £5 million offer for centre-back Jacob Greaves from the borough this week you weren't getting him that's what seems to be the indication on um, most of the Hull social media mm. uh, bit, of, bit of bad beef I've, I've seen where some of the Hull supporters are saying why would he go there it's definitely a sideways move for him had a bit I mean, of a chuckle about that personally but it's just my personal opinion I this season perhaps not next season maybe that would be more true but the uh, if he if he does happen to to move up north I hope that your local pharmaceutical places have got lots of brill cream in because that is like every time he heads the ball it sounds like a suction cup in a window so <laughs> it, yeah well there you go ladies and gentlemen that's your uh, that's that's your weekly lot wrapped up and tied up. With a nice little bow on it, I believe. Thank you very much, uh, gents, for, uh, for joining me as always. We're not going to leave without mentioning the uh, Lionesses and oh. women's team winning winning the European Cup. I think we've got to, got to kind of congratulate. Um, kind of stellar, stellar performance kind of thing. You know, where particularly when Germany equalised, I think collectively... We're like, oh, okay, we've been here before. This feels, this feels <laughs> comfortably familiar and or uncomfortably familiar. And uh, no, no, yeah. I, I, don't know, I don't know if I, should, I don't know if I should class myself as like partially to blame for that Germany equaliser because I'm pretty sure as it as a uh, as the game was progressing, I uh, allowed myself to sort of have the thought of, oh, it'll be nice to see an England captain actually lift a trophy for once. <laughs> and then about, and then literally within about 30 seconds of me having that thought process, Germany scored that equaliser. Which, to be fair to them, was an incredibly well-worked goal. Oh, yeah. Um, one of those ones where the ball just sort of like, the striker let the ball sort of come across her and then she just opened her foot out to just basically guide it in the top corner and give the give the keeper absolutely no chance. Um, tell you what, they, dug, they dug deep and they got it done in extra time. That, that Ella Toon opener, though, absolutely thought thought she'd hit the back of the stand with that and somehow that just dropped in. I don't know if you'd seen any of the post-match stuff and she, the reaction was I'm pretty sure it took about 10 minutes for that to fall in. It felt like that watching it as well because it was like, oh my god, it's at the top of the... Oh my god, it's dropping. Oh. <laughs> it's one of those ones, isn't it? I think it, it's deceptive though because like obviously no shit, the closer you get to the goal the harder it is to get it up and over and down. Mm. Oh. I think she was just perfectly on the sort of the cusp of where she was able to give it some 
but still have the sort of the the pitch length left mm. for it to drop in and well top ends essentially top ends exactly and obviously the winner um the funniest thing about the winner was the fact that you could see her go to take a shirt off and then she was like bang on i'll just check to make sure it's not offside is it offside are they saying anything are they saying anything she was like no, the, it says goal on the it says goal on the scoreboard. Right, off it comes, and then she was just going absolutely in way like mental. Someone oh. uh, I saw on Twitter actually, someone said that like, the someone had, had taken a picture and it perfectly sort of like captured where she she was like when she was whipping her shirt, and it's and it fell on the point where it was just it had her name and number perfectly on the back, and everyone was like, yeah, that's been taken at the absolute perfect time there. So yeah. Congratulations! Yeah. Obviously, they've gone one better than the men did last year at the uh, at the same stage of a European Championship. So, congratulations. did you see why? She, did you see why she'd done that celebration? She said that she well, she's a QPR fan, isn't she? Yeah, and it was to emulate the Bobby Zamora goal celebration from the playoffs. What, what I didn't understand is that she said that she felt she was going to have a Bobby Zamora moment, and I said this. I said this to him. I was like, I didn't realise that that had its own sort of place in time I mean, I know, they, scored the, yeah, I know but... they scored the goal and obviously as our resident East Midlands uh, you know supporter because of the team that it was scored against I believe that Mr Moore might remember that goal a bit more fondly than the rest of us but I, I just assumed that she meant she thought she was going to smack it in the top of the stand was the... <laughs> but then we've, we've not even covered the two best bits for afterwards either because the best the two best bits of the well one of them was during the game was when even the most basic of lip readers could see exactly what Jill Scott thought about the German I think it was a German captain as well possibly uh, that was magic I remember but yeah she had she definitely had a few choice words for after a, a, a particularly robust challenge and then the same the same lady who uttered the very readable words on camera was the first person to say to, to dedicate the performance to her nan, which was like one extreme to the other. Yep, uh, Amy was sat very. She was sat right next to me on the sofa watching the celebrations, and as soon as that happened, she started crying. So, Aww. but then also as well, the the um, the the, the, the girl who scored the winner just getting interviewed after the match with the microphone around, and then just oh, sweet Caroline's on. Still later then just off with the microphone singing Sweet Caroline was good as well. Enjoyed that. Um, I, I think like, as well for me, like kind of listening to some of the interviews and listening to some of them talk, they're very kind of, like I think the captain, is it Leah Williamson, is it? Really, like such a good listen. Like when you hear her talking about things and talking about growing the women's game and stuff like that, it's, you felt like sat there going, yeah, yeah, none of the men do this. Like, she sounded way more intelligent, way more knowledgeable about football, way more kind of interested in, in it than, than the men than the men do. It was just, I think that was like at the Trafalgar Square celebration, I thought that was, kind of showed that perhaps why they're infinitely more popular than the men would be the kind of thing as like, I know like not kind of literally, but kind of, why people have been like, all right, yeah, these seem like decent people. Uh, I thought, yeah, but yeah, yeah, it was it was good, good fun. Yeah, I think it was it was one of those like sort of poignant uh, parts of it as well, where sort of Ian Wright summed it up as well, where he said basically this this is all well and good now, and it's great to sort of like see you know soak in the moments of that, but 
if this doesn't change and like you know you don't get as part of the syllabus at, at school level if girls aren't allowed to play football as part of PE and stuff like that it's you know, so it's, it's all worthless it's not oh he's gone he didn't agree with he didn't agree with Ian Wright's message of like, he's obviously sick he's, he, Ian Wright's had his time at Nottingham Forest and he's just like no no mm. it's Ian wrong for me Ian wrong um, but yeah, when he said that, he, that, obviously, and he's absolutely right, it needs to change. And there's absolutely no reason that way why girls shouldn't be allowed to play football as part of PE. It shouldn't even really be a conversation. Do you know? Do you know how bad it was? Because I saw that video of Ian Wright talking about, it and I was like, "A girl's not allowed to play football at school." That's how <laughs> bad it is. I was like, "Is this a, is this a thing? Is this an actual thing? Like we've got this far." through society and we're still discussing whether girls can play football at school mm. what is going on yeah. I, I don't remember from my time at school obviously it was a few years ago now but I don't remember the, the girls at my school particularly playing football in PE I remember we had to put choices in as we got further up the school and I'm, I could not even tell you if football was on that list for the girls to pick so if that if that's the exact thing that right he was talking about that that needs to change i i remember girls in my year kicking off about it and we're talking nearly <coughs> 30 years ago um i mean it will be 30 years ago i remember like not nearly 30 years ago that girls were kicking off then to say that we're talking about it 30 years later mm. what's the problem I don't, I don't get stuff like that I, I, I don't understand things like this at all yeah, the, like, obviously the hope is that like you know in the same way that we've discussed before I know it's not I know it's not the same issues for that but we've talked about like, about, like, like homophobia in football and stuff like that and all these players that are now feeling like confident to come out as gay and stuff like that the hope being that in Five, ten, fifteen years time, you shouldn't have to come out as gay and stuff like that. It should just be, yeah, everyone who is who they are and stuff like that. And in the same way, in five, ten, fifteen years time, girls playing football is just part of the norm. It's not, you know, oh, look, there's there's a nice sort of you know novelty and stuff like that. No, it's just basically part and parcel of everyday society. Basically. Yeah, I think like on the on the terms of how they're going to judge it in terms of an instant success. Obviously, it takes time for the girls that will then be watching this thinking, do you know what, I could do that to obviously filter the way through the system. But if 87,000 people can go and watch the final at Wembley, a few of them can damn sure go and attend some of the WSL games this season. So, like... And and in a a sort of a similar vein, I I saw that someone had put up like a price list of all... Because I think, is it... Ooh, I don't know if it's off the top of my head. I don't know if it's 12 or 16 teams or something like that for the WSL. But it showed up all the teams that were competing. Um, and it showed, I think it was on the day prices for adults and concessions for each of the two. Sorry, sorry for each of the two. For each of the WSL game, uh, clubs. And I don't think any of them were more than £12 a ticket. Mm-hmm. So... It's not. It's clearly not an accessible 
problem. It's a knowledge problem. And yeah. it's people being aware of the fact that these games are available to go and watch and stuff like that. And it's, the, it's getting the message out there that these games do take place and more, more often than not are going to be like on your doorstep. Yeah. So it's it's about getting the message out and like sort of making people aware of where they can go, what how they can buy the the, the stuff. I'm like the shirts are exactly the same as the as the as the men's teams. So well in, in the in in the majority of cases they are anyway, so Yeah. It's good though. It's nice it's nice to see somebody in an England shirt lifting a trophy that they don't have to give back. <laughs> yeah. It's weird. it's weird, isn't it? Because, like, and I, I imagine every single person in the country, regardless of if they've watched the men's football or not, probably had the same thought. When Germany scored, it was like, oh, here we go again. This is exactly how it happens every time. They've gone, they've managed to get themselves into the lead. They've conceded. And we all know what's going to happen from here. But they didn't. They actually sort of dug in and got themselves the winner and then held on and actually won the tournament. So I think, I th- was it was it Alex Scott on commentary, I think, the, the perfect sort of line to sum it up. And you know how you all, in the big moments in football, is, you're always looking for that, that line in the commentary that will kind of, you know, like live on. And she was like, she, she said, it, it for England... It's the fairy tale fixture, and finally they got the fairy tale result as well. So that 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 to me was the best way to sum it up. Very well said, Mister uh, Mister Wilkinson. And obviously, um, shame on me for not bringing it up. But thank you to Mister Moore for for bringing it up before we ended today. Um, but yeah, what a, what a lovely way to finish the week's podcast. Thank you. Uh, again, thank you to you boys for uh, for joining me and. Giving your opinions on stuff. Obviously, thank you to Mr. Moore, whose uh, laptop has sadly bitten the dust on him without giving him prior warning, so he's not able to finish the podcast with us this week. But tune in again next week, where I'm sure we'll break down even more fixtures. We'll give you the the rundown on this week's games, and uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll bring you some more transfer updates. Fingers crossed. But until then, peace. So there you go, what do you think to that? Another week of games gone, another week of games to look forward to. Was my was my apology enough? Let me know in the comments. Speaking of comments, do consider like, share, subscribe, and indeed comment. Drop any reviews you might want to drop. And uh, just generally share this podcast around. If you want to check out our website, it's thecookiecast.com. There you can find social media links and you can email us. So, there's that. That's it for this one. Till next time, I'm going to say bye. I'll see you then.